Josh Jelinski is the president of Wealth Quarterback, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm located in New Jersey. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm or its representatives by securities regulators, nor is it an indication that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Investment advisory services may only be provided to clients in jurisdictions in which the firm and its representatives are appropriately registered or exempt from registration. You should not assume that any discussion or information contained in this broadcast serves as the receipt of or or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product, or any non-investment-related content made reference to directly or indirectly in this broadcast will be profitable. Equal any corresponding indicated historical performance level or levels be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation or prove successful. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investment advisory services offered through Wealth Quarterback LLC. Tired of losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. 710. Now, let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, and we're with Ernest Fenton, founder and managing partner of the law office of Ernest Fenton. As managing partner, attorney Fenton manages a team of attorneys, paralegals, and support staff while overseeing the various practice groups of the firm. He is the author of Asset protection, trusts, and estate planning. How are you, Ernest? Good to see you. I am good. Good. I'm, I'm great, actually. Um, I'm on a bit of a vacation, a working vacation. So oh, nice. thanks for having me. Worthwhile. Great. So uh, talk about your background. What brought you into the world of asset protection? Hmm. So a background and a combination of what brought me into the world, um, this world, rather. So I'll, I'll fast forward to my undergraduate undergraduate degree uh, in business. And um, I always had the inclination that one day, you know, um, I would make my semi-fortune in real estate, right? This was before I even thought of becoming an attorney. And uh, fast forward, senior year of um, college, um, I decided to uh, supplement my skill set that I, you know, professionally um, acquired in school and then personally on some ventures that I would do on the side. And I, I went to law school and I concentrated in corporate law, um, always still had that interest in real estate and business. And I started my first business after my first year of law school. Um, as a result of an internship that I had in Nairobi, Kenya. And I opened a retail store. And I started as a, in 2001, although I was licensed in 1998, 99 rather, um, to the State Bar of Illinois. And um, 2001, after my retail business went down, um, you know, after 9-11 and so forth, in the uh, mild recession slash depression, 
Um, I started practicing law and representing individuals in real estate transactions. Then um, myself and clients ran into the um, 2008 financial crisis. And uh, I saw a lot of people lose a lot of assets and um, a net worth, including myself, because I was a real estate investor at the time. And um, it brought me into the world of asset protection. You know, it's one thing to make money or to acquire assets, and it's a completely different thing or task or skill set to keep your assets. And then here I am. So you've been asked to protect your dirty. What, what is asset protection and why should it matter to those listening? Maybe. So first, so first off, people, you know, like, what are assets? You know, asset is um, um, real estate. So if you have an investment property, it's an asset. Some people say your home is not an asset, but loosely speaking, depending on what side of the fence you're on, that too is an asset or otherwise a um, 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 something that requires estate planning. And we'll maybe get to that as well. Um, stocks, bonds, gold, cash, all assets, anything of value that can be exchanged, artwork, all assets. Great. So what's the most common misconception people have about estate planning? They don't need it. And um, it's for old people. Right. Let's make a distinction, though. Right. I think I think a lot of people um, estate planning can be broadly defined. And even for myself until recently. Right. I had a relatively narrow uh, vantage point of what estate planning is 10 years, relatively recent, 10, 15 years. So most people think of estate planning, they think I'm about to die, or this is something that one does in preparation to die. Oh, I'm gonna die and I'm just gonna give my stuff to some people, my children or my grandchildren. And then half the people are thinking they're perhaps just gonna squander it, not appreciate it. Well, that's one component of estate planning. But I think of another component of estate planning is called, you know, Asset protection is also part and parcel to, you know, estate planning. And asset protection is just um, 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 organizing your assets and those things that you um, care about in such a way to protect them. And so now that begs the question, well, what am I protecting them from? I mean, one of those, you know, one thing you must protect your assets from are creditors, Right. Another thing you may protect your assets from is the um, uh, probate, which also includes creditors, right? Uh, the legal system, right? Which can dissipate your um, assets unnecessarily. And um, also you want to protect your assets from, you know, your the people that you desire to benefit from your assets, but maybe they're not financially responsible. Maybe they are imprudent. So you also may want to protect your assets um, from that. So what do you think is the biggest mistake people make with regard to estate planning? Waiting until it's an emergency and then they wait until it's too late. Right. So here's here's when people try to here's when people try to estate plan. Or asset protect. And it depends on how you look at it. And I think most people need to do both. While you're estate planning, you also have to think about asset protection, right? 
So um, they wait too late. Um, they're sick. They're in the hospital. During COVID, I got a lot of calls. Oh, you know, my grandmother's in the hospital and she has COVID and she owns real estate and she wants to make certain that her home goes to her three grandchildren. What can we do, Attorney Fenton? Okay, right. Oh, um, husband, he got into a car accident or matter of fact, he has Alzheimer's. He has dementia. He's he's incapacitated. And mom or his wife, rather, um, spouse needs to access his bank accounts. Well, he's incapacitated now. She wants a power of attorney. Well, you can't execute a financial power of attorney uh, when a person is or if you are incapacitated. So we wait too late. And oftentimes we don't do enough. Right. So like what's not do enough. If you read my book. Your level of God to asset protection, trust, and estate planning. And I've learned this, you know, um, just the thousands of clients that I've assisted. Is many people believe a will is enough. And I'm like, will ain't enough. A will used to be enough, right? And, and, and I like to do this without going too far on track. What used to be enough was a payphone. Like I needed to make a call. A payphone was enough. Well, not enough. Then a home phone became enough. Well, I need to make a call, speak to a loved one. A home phone is enough. Well, home phone's not enough, especially in light of this new technology that they call a smartphone. Because not only can I make a call, I have caller ID, I can do conference calling, right? I can take photos. So it has additional functions. Well, guess what? A will ain't enough. Because what a will does is it simply says, upon my demise, I want these assets to go to these people. Well, what's the problem with that? One problem with that is probate. I call it the big, bad, ugly monster. Probate. When a person passes away, even if they have a will, it is required that their family members go through the process of probate, which is a legal proceeding. So you've got to hire an attorney in most instances that come up with thousands of dollars in most instances, right? Creditors have a time frame by which they may come into the estate or enter into those court proceedings and make a claim against the estate. Um, there could be fighting. It invites fights amongst family members. So it's like we want to avoid probate. A will equals probate. All right. So in my estimation, and I couldn't say this in a room of attorneys, especially estate planning or probate attorneys. In my estimation, a will is not enough. A better tool or technology is a trust. Why? One of the reasons why a trust is better than a will is because a trust does not require probate. If set up and utilized proper, properly, one may avoid probate. Your family can avoid probate, which in some instances, um, you can avoid creditors. And in many instances, it cuts down on family infighting. And then also what's beautiful about the trust and that is non-existent as an option with the will is that you can manage your assets beyond the grave. You can choose when your children inherit, you know, their share of your estate. So son receives $10,000, you know, initially upon your demise. And then annually thereafter, son is to receive 10% of his share of your estate, right? So that's the beauty of it. That's fantastic. 
Great explanation. I knew you'd be on a roll. So estate planning has largely been a tool used by the upper class or elite. When we return, Ernest Fenton, author of Asset Protection Trusts Estate Planning, your level up guide to asset protection trust and estate planning. Avoid probate, stop creditors, protect assets and the Medicaid spend down. When we return, we'll talk about the Medicaid spend down, what it is and not how to, and how does one who's listening not lose all of their assets to Medicaid when we return? This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. And if you like what you're hearing, you can get Ernest's book on Amazon. Or yep. uh, do you have a website with where people can find your book as well? Or yep. just go to Amazon? Attorneyernestfenton.com. If you go to my website, I have the link right there. Great. Or I will buy that book for you for free if you schedule and keep your no-obligation review at 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. A lot of people, when they hear about estate planning, they think it's only a tool for the rich. Why is it not only a tool for the rich? Hmm. You know, um, because good news, good news, good news, bad news. Um, good news is that the average person has more today than we ever had, perhaps in the history of mankind. Right. Uh, back in the day, you know, many people were, you know, um, they they leased their land. Now, more people than ever are homeowners. Um, people have managed to, you know, to create a savings. Some of us, um, some people have pensions, right? So, so, uh, more now than ever, especially in America, um, we have assets worth protecting. You may not be uber rich, but you have enough, right? So, so that is one of the reasons why we need to consider, you know, um, estate planning. You mentioned, you know, it was for the uber rich. You're absolutely right. Trust, let's let's go here. And it's in my book, right? Trusts were created to make certain, make most certain that rich landowners during feudal times, that rich landowners who had issues with creditors would not um, have their children divested from their wealth, you know, as a result of a creditor. It was to preserve the wealth of the rich. Hey, but listen, middle class, lower middle class, wherever you may be on the socioeconomic ladder, you are not precluded from participating in this technology. I'll call it technology called trust in estate planning and asset protection. So that's number one. You also mentioned Medicaid. Good news, bad news again. Good news is that we are living longer than ever before. I think I read this. I don't know if it's true. I believe it to be true. It said the average child born today will live um, to the age of 100. So we're living longer. It's nothing for me to have a client who walks in my office, walks in my office unassisted, 90 years of age. No big deal, right? Bad news is that many of us are living longer with degenerative diseases, Alzheimer's, right? Dementia, um, 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 for whatever of physical incapacitation, uh, incapacity. And as a result of living longer, I tell people this good news, bad news. Yeah, you're going to live to a hundred. That's the good news. Also, good news, your children will be around. But here's the bad news. Your children will be 75. You'll be 100. 
and your child will be 75 and they will be incapable of caring for you and you might find yourself in a nursing home. <laughs> you know, that's the trade-off. If you find yourself uh, requiring the assistance, you know, of a third party and perhaps the assistance of the government because the cost of care, as an example, I think on average is about, what is it, eight or nine thousand dollars on average in some places don't go to new york because it's like twelve thousand dollars a month right and these are like average places so if you need the assistance of a third party uh to be institutionalized the assistance of the government for your care they're going to require that you be insolvent you can't have money what's insolvent that means you can't have any money insolvent means you can't own real estate under limited circumstances, you may. If you're married and your spouse is still residing there, then that's an exception. But for the most part, in order to have the assistance of the government, you must be insolvent. So let's just say you're reaching this, you know, this glory um, age of 105. I'm going to go to 107. And you can no longer live alone. Your children are too old to care for you. They may be joining you, right? For whatever reason, unfortunately, but fortunately. And so, um, you know, the facility that you're looking at, it's ten, it's $15,000 a month. Your um, income on a monthly basis, Social Security, last I checked, and in my book, I think the average Social Security is about $1,500. let us fast forward and say the average um, amount received from Social Security will be like $2,500 a month. You need $15,000 a month. And then maybe you have a small pension. Pensions are a thing of the past, right? We have defined compass more so, but let's say you're one of the lucky ones. You have a um, um, you have a pension, and maybe that's three thousand dollars a month. So you have five thousand five hundred dollars a month in income. This is 20, 30 years from now, but it's going to take fifteen thousand dollars for your care. The government gets the the government gets the five thousand five hundred. If you own real estate, they're going to require that you liquidate that asset in order to offset the cost of your care. That's the Medicaid spend down. If you have money in the bank, let's say you saved $100,000, $200,000 and it's in an account, the government is going to require that you spend that money before they kick in for your assistance. That's the spend down. Medicaid planning is removing assets from your name, from your ownership, if you will prior to needing the assistance of the government such that those assets don't have to be liquidated or otherwise you'd be penalized, which is before the government kicks in any assistance for your care, they're going to require that you cover it for a certain period of time, um, you know, be, be, again, before they they start helping helping out. So what do you do? Do you, um, if you're trying to, if you're listening right now, trying to protect your money from Medicaid, do you use Medicaid asset protection trusts, gifting strategies? Uh, what do you use in particular? All that. So you can set up um, gifting trusts, set up trusts for children, right? We can start gifting to children. You can still retain, quote unquote, you know, a certain level of control. Um, there are certain um, trusts that can be set up whereby they are exempt from Medicaid, but they, uh, oftentimes people don't, you know, necessarily prefer those trusts or otherwise they don't want all of their assets in that trust because what those trusts require is that you transfer um, assets into the trust, say $100,000, 
You can use those funds to supplement your Medicaid, but upon your demise, whatever's remaining in the trust must be um, turned over to Medicaid to offset the cost of, you know, whatever they forked out for your assistance. So break this down a little more. So I'm, you know, listening right now. I got, you know, somebody listening might have a half a million dollar house paid off and they have 300,000, I don't know, in bank, brokerage accounts, whatever it might be, or the reverse, maybe a 300 grand paid off house, 500 grand of assets. If, if they put the 500 grand in one of those Medicaid asset protection trusts, is that subject to the five-year look back or what? Well, then it wouldn't be a Medicaid asset protection trust, right? Um, or, um, the, um, well, it's two. I'm sorry. The one trust that I was describing is a trust that's qualified by Medicaid that you can set up. I can't think of the term right now offhand, right? But it's also in my book. And so essentially you're saying, hey, Medicaid, you know, Here's the trust that I'm setting up. I'm going to transfer some money in there. It's going to, to be to supplement my care. And then I'm agreeing that upon my demise, whatever amounts you put forth for my care will be offset by whatever's remaining in this trust. So that's one thing. But to your point, I think a little bit what you're saying different is Medicaid. I'll explain it in case you know people missed it. Medicaid, um, if you need the assistance of the government, right, you go into an institution they're going to do some investigation. They're going to ask you some questions like, hey, do you have assets? Right. Yeah, I got a few dollars. Like, how much do you have? You know, I got 50,000. Well, that's too much. That's too much. Right. You can only have four thousand dollars. So the other forty six thousand dollars will be penalized. OK, fast forwarding to your question. All right. Well, in preparation of potentially being subject to having to liquidate, if you will, um, your assets or turn them over to Medicaid, what can you do? Well, if you set up a trust today, this is why it's important to set up a trust early on. If you set up a trust, revocable trust, irrevocable trust, and you transfer that $500,000 into that trust, if it's a revocable trust, um, 10 years later, you're going, you know, you need the assistance of the government. They'd ask, do you have any money? Well, you're going to say, no, I don't have any money. And you'll be telling them the truth because the money is owned by the trust. And then and then they're going to ask you the smart question. Then they're going to ask you the smart question. The smart question is going to be, well, are you the beneficiary of any trust? Now. No one's checking. Right. If I tell I won't say I tell clients, I'll just say it this way. If you set this trust up more than five years back and you told them there's, you know, I don't have any money and it's in that trust, there's there's no way for them to know. Right. So some people set up trust is more than five, you know, more than five years ago. There are no breadcrumbs to the trust and they may just say, no, I don't have any assets, nor am I the beneficiary of any trust. However, you may take that. But if it's a revocable trust, now I'm going to take the conversation a bit deeper, but like I try not to because people may get lost. Depending on the type of trust you have, that will determine if your assets are actually not considered to be your asset at the time 
that, you know, you're being um, you're being um, reviewed um, by Medicaid or by an institution to determine if you have assets subject, um, you know, to to their claims. If you have a if you have a revocable trust and you're the beneficiary of that trust and you're also the trustee of that trust, even though you set it up more than five years ago, technically it's still your asset. Okay, so so doing it more than five years ago does not necessarily protect your assets. Setting up a trust rather. It's the type of trust that you set up now. If you set up an irrevocable trust and you're not the trustee, you could still be the beneficiary, but you don't have the authority to say when and how much you're to receive from that trust, that's different. Then the only amounts, if you will, if we're talking about cash or the only assets that potentially would be subject to the claims of, you know, this third party or Medicaid would be those amounts that are available to you at that time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And when we return, I'll give you my kind of final take on this Medicaid thing. You tell me if I'm right. And Mm -hmm. we'll we'll answer any of your questions in the audience. If you have a question, uh, just hit the subscribe button on YouTube, type it in the chat. And get the book, Your Level Up Guide to Asset Protection, Trusts, and Estate Planning. Avoid probate, stop creditors, protect assets, Medicaid spend down. Love Ernest Fenton's very, you know, clear, down-to-earth spoken way. So we're going to get all of our questions answered on these topics and more. And when we return, we'll talk about how to protect assets difference between revocable and irrevocable that confuses some people sometimes and more of your estate planning questions. When we return, this is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback and uh, go over to Amazon, buy the book, level up protection, uh, your level up guide to asset protection, trust and estate planning. Or you can call me right now, request your free 45 minute wealth strategy session and you get the book for free when you call us right now. At 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. Maybe it seems like prices can't get much higher, or that the stock market is headed for bear territory, or maybe you're worried about another great recession. Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, can help you protect your family's financial future in times like these. Tune in this weekend to The Financial Quarterback to hear how Josh and his team can help you decrease your tax liability and lower your risk. Call 888-988-5674 to take advantage of Josh's 27-point plan to achieve financial health. And when you call, you'll receive a free copy of Josh's book, Retirement Reality Check. Tune in every weekend to The Financial Quarterback and call 888-988-5674 to receive your free copy of Retirement Reality Check. And we're back. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. We're with Ernest Fenton, attorney. Okay, so you, yeah, you did lose me a little bit, but I, because I've talked to Medicaid people, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you my two cents. You tell me if I'm wrong. All right. So, and this is tough for people. They listen, and their 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 heads may be turning to mush. Right? Yeah. Irrevocable. Irrevocable. <laughs> 
So this is how I understand it. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't do this because they don't want to sound like a fool, right? (laughs) So I'm not a Medicaid attorney, so I'm not claiming to be one. So if you give up control of your funds, so when you go for Medicaid, there's what's countable and what's non-countable. Money Mm -hmm. in your bank is countable. They could take it. They can take your brokerage account. They can take your annuities. They can take your life insurances. Now, if you have a life insurance irrevocable Um, trust and you set it up, you know, greater than five years, they can't take that if it's properly drafted. Correct? I'll say yes. So Mm -hmm. when I'm deeming countable versus non-countable, countable means it's in your control. A revocable living trust, you can grab at it. So it's technically under your control. Now, there are the things like these gray areas. We're not going to go into there because we're not going to want to. But um, where somebody set something up and um, because they could set up, let's say, a trust. Mark that. uh, Tell the government, hey, I don't I don't own this thing or I'm not a beneficiary. Then they take 10 grand out. and Boom. They get hit for Medicaid fraud. So you got to be careful with all that stuff. Um, When. But a trust for Medicaid to be protected. So if somebody's 80 and they gift money into an irrevocable trust, some states have Medicaid asset protection trusts, Mm -hmm. just a trust that they don't control at all. Mm -hmm. Someone else is a trustee. You could have a corporation be a trustee, a bank be a trustee. You're saying they could still maybe receive income from that trust. Mm -hmm. That income may be countable against Medicaid, but so long as that gift was done five years prior to them receiving care in the Medicaid institution, and as long as they're not the trustee, Mm -hmm. it should be protected. Right. Now, let's say my child is the trustee and I set up one of these. Mm -hmm. The child, does that count? Now we're getting gray. You said yeah. we won't go gray. Well, I guess I'm getting gray now. But generally, my understanding yes, is correct. Generally, yes. Yes, your child could be the trustee. But if the and child gives me a kickback of, let's say, 10 or 20 grand, that could be countable. It could. Now, the question is, what's a kickback? Was that a kickback? So those are all the questions. That's we'll the we'll not use kickback. Let's use, okay, the trust has uh, distribution. So the trustee has distribution powers for the health, education, maintenance, and support of the grantor, let's call it me. So my child has the ability to take distributions for my medical bills, but... Support. Let me, can I clarify? Yeah. You're right. You are correct. You are on the right path, sir. You've been doing your research. You are on the right path. I'll just I'll just add some language. Yeah, we don't want to say for your support, maintenance, health, and education, right? If you want to be educated at eighty, right? Because then they then that that raises the question of well, support is he needs nursing home care, so give us the money, right? So if you may want a special needs trust or um, the wording, well, that's if like you're incapacitated typically, but yeah, we we would word it in such a way that. Your child is to supplement to supplement your care. 
your health care, as an example. So discretionary powers to the trustee. There you go. There you go. Is that is that the it's, better way? Yeah, there you go. Okay, to supplement, go. to only supplement your care. But couldn't they say, well, uh, you got to supplement it with Medicaid or no, or no, that should be protected? Well, it's supplement post-Medicaid. Okay. But generally speaking, though, if, if you take a 20 grand distribution from that trust, won't Medicaid say, oh, where's that? We want that. Couldn't well, they? that's the, 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 the one-time distribution then, yeah. If there's a $20,000 distribution, you know, you have sort of a minimum amount of, um, of um, liquidity, if you will, or um, asset base that you can have. So if you receive $20,000 in, you know, one period plus whatever monies you receive from retirement and such, then yeah, that 20,000 may count. They'd be like, where's that money? Hmm. So nothing, I, I guess my point, so, but generally speaking, it's money that the, that the grantor, the 80 year old is not going to need. It's money that they kind of want to earmark for the next generation, correct? Correct. That goes into that more irrevocable kind of Medicaid-friendly trust. If somebody can control it and take money out, it could be countable. Okay, so I generally get... If you take the money out, if that individual, if that money is given to that individual, it may be countable. Can you live in a house that's owned by your Medicaid trust? Is that tough? Um, yeah, that, um, yeah, I think I addressed that in my book too, something along those lines. Can I give you an example? Let's give sure. an example of a house, right? This is where people, a lot of people get caught. And I don't know how this rolls in every state, right? So you own a home, uh, one exception to the Medicaid, you know, um, uh, spend down is what it called. Medicaid spend down is if you're married. So one Medicaid hack is being married. There you go, people okay. who don't want to be married. There you go. There are benefits to marriage. So they're not going to say like, sell your house when you're, you know, your spouse is still living there. So that's an exception. Another exception is if you have a, a child who's been caring for you, I think it's a year or two prior to you going into a nursing home. That's another exception. Okay. Moving past that, at least I'm highlighting the fact that there are exceptions. So you're not married. No child was in the home taking care of you. You need to go into a nursing home. Hey, there's equity in that home. You got to sell. That's the spin down. Right. So that's your spin down. OK. Um, how do I get around that? You're, you're getting up in age. It's a possibility. You know, you may go into a nursing home. You're like 85. What do I do? This is what I ask my clients. Hey, hey, mom, you got two kids, right? Yeah, here they are, my two kids. I love them to death. Okay, how much do you trust your children? Oh, I trust my children with my life. Mom, are you sure you want these kids to have your home one day? Oh, absolutely. Are you sure you're not going to sell that house and use it to, you know, go to Aruba or wherever you like to travel? No, I want to make sure my kids have my house. I'm going to live in this house, you know, until my dying day, right? So, um, so I may tell mom, let's go ahead and transfer your home into a trust right now. And let's start gifting your home to your children right now. Let's give it to them right now, mom. 
But mom, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you. I want you did say you trust them with your life. I want you to know they can't put you out of your house. We're going to also set it up whereby they can't sell your house, mom. Okay. so what we're going to give you is called a life estate. So as long as you are living and able, you can live in this home. And then, you know, we're going to transfer this. Well, we're going to transfer the home into the trust. And then there are a lot of different ways to word the trust. I'm just going to bypass all of that. And I'm just going to essentially say the children will become the beneficiaries of the home subject to their mother's life estate. And there you go. And if it's done more than five years prior to going into the nursing home, when the nursing home says, hey, mom, do you own a home? Mom will say no. So that's a way to protect your home. Good job. So we're learning a lot here from attorney Ernest Fenton, author of the book, Your Level Up Guide to Asset Protection, Trusts, and Estate Planning. Avoid probate, stop creditors, protect assets, and protect yourself from the Medicaid spend. A lot of people, I mean, we should have just, I guess we should have spent like five minutes on the Medicaid spend now, which is basically, you got to spend all your assets. So maybe we'll um, talk about that a little bit more because we we talked about the solution, but the problem is if you're just floating down thinking you, you sh- you're you fine, you know, mm-hmm. think again because a lot of people will need Medicaid later in life, even if they have mm-hmm. money and they have to spend down their assets and they don't get that. So we'll talk about a little bit more about the dynamics of the spend down, what you can keep, what, what can't you keep, you mentioned kind of the spouse is protected in the house, but if you're single, you're kind of screwed. When we return, this is Josh Jelinski with Ernest Benson, your level up guide to asset protection, trusts, and estate planning. Get the book by calling me now for free at 888-988-JOSH. That's 888-988-5674. And I'll give you that book free, or you can head over to Amazon and buy the book or go over to Ernest's website. What's your website, Ernest? AttorneyErnestBenton.com. Wonderful. And what states are you licensed in? I'm in Illinois. I have associates, Texas, um, uh, Georgia, um, New York, we do business in. But trust travel, sir. Trust travel. So we talked about how probate's really bad. I do have a question on that. But Medicaid spend down, we talked about the sort of the solution of Medicaid spend down, but just park for a second on why it's a problem, because I think people are kind of asleep at the wheel and they don't realize until it's too late, they could lose everything to a nursing home or to Medicaid. Um, they really will make you spend a majority of your money. So Yeah, they're, they're going to spend it or quote unquote, take it. If they don't make you, if, if you don't, if you don't end up spending it, they're going to get it in the end through the probate process. That's another reason why we want to avoid probate. No, fantastic. Well, that's not fantastic, but um, (laughs) they let you keep. If somebody's listening and they are 80 or 70 or 75 and -hmm. they think they're too old for this, Mm. you ever hear that? Objection? I'm yeah. too old for this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's less too old. Some people, let me put it this way. Mature people. Those are, You call them old. I call them mature. Okay. 
So uh, a lot of mature people, they like owning their stuff. You know, maybe they came through the depression, right? They remember it well enough, right? And um, so they like the idea of checking their accounts and seeing their name and seeing money. You know, they worked hard for that um, retirement account that they set up and they like seeing their name and seeing that money. But what I tell them, I'm just sort of augmenting the direction I believe you were going in. But what I tell them that is at some point, you're going to get caught holding. You don't want to get caught holding. And what I mean by get caught holding is I don't want you, for whatever reason, have to have the necessity of going into a nursing home. And then they look at all those pretty accounts that you have. And then you're going to end up giving the money to the nursing homes or the government. That's get caught holding. Or otherwise, you can get caught holding post-life, which is, okay, you didn't get caught holding, but your estate did. And your children or grandchildren or charity that you'd like to leave some or all of your assets to might get caught holding because you're perfectly fine now at 80, 85. You can't imagine going into a nursing home. But let me tell you a a little brief story, 30 seconds, 60 seconds or less. I've had several clients late in life, 80s, 90s. They fall ill. They spent the last six months you know, in a hospital. They spent their last three or four months in a nursing home. And guess what? They may have run up a six-figure bill. And if they have a will or no will and their estate ends up in probate, guess who's going to show up with their children to settle their estate? Yeah, the hospital. Yeah, the nursing home. Yeah, whoever else was left unpaid for whatever reason. So what you thought you were leaving to your children a charity you may not be. And that's why you want to do a trust, right? Yes. And that's why also, this is the big one. This is what, listen, if you don't mind, this is this is the thing I never hear. I don't hear anybody talking about it. I'm just, you know, and I'm not saying I'm the only one talking about it. I'm just saying I haven't heard anybody else. At some point, you got to say to yourself, I'm going to take the hit in my retirement account and begin to draw down from my retirement account because now I'm risking losing it. So I'd rather pay the taxes on that money and then protect it as opposed to leave it in those accounts and potentially see it and see it grow. Well, that's huge. And I think, yeah. Yes. No, I talked yes. about, I talked about that years ago because if you think about it, most people's biggest asset is in their IRA yep. or 401k or 403b yep. or TSP or whatever it might be alphabet soup. So the Mm -hmm. government has a lien against that asset. And that asset is attachable by creditors, Medicaid. Well, it's not attachable by creditors in a bankruptcy. 1.25 million is, is creditor exempted, but it, it is not exempt from Medicaid. So it's, it's exempt from virtually every creditor except Medicaid. The man, the man can always get you. And um, so basically, you know, you could get sued, lose a big judgment and they can't take your 401k. Mm -hmm. But if you're on the hook for end of life care with Medicaid, they can take that, (laughs) you know? So it's sort of like, you know, so that's the one creditor you're not exempt from. So the idea really is to, when you're 70, drain a little bit, take 5% a year out of that account, 
pay the income tax and put that into a trust. And then you could put that into life insurance trusts. And then the death benefit could compensate for the tax that you lost. Yeah. There are even annuities now. I got some some in the mail where if somebody's uninsurable and they're older and they lose 30% because they pop the money out, they will give Mm -hmm. a 30% bonus upon death, even if you're uninsurable because it's kind of used for that estate planning. Uh, So there's a lot of, you know, from life insurance to annuities to long-term care, a lot of ways to kind of, that's why the estate planning attorney needs to be in conversation with the financial advisor and it it needs to be a holistic discussion. So I want to talk more about that when we return from our final break of the hour with Ernest Fenton, estate planning attorney. You can check out his website. Where's your website again? Ernest attorneyernestfenton.com attorneyernestfenton.com or you can get his book by going over to Amazon get the book your level up guide to asset protection trusts and estate planning he's flashing it on the screen Jim you're a little slow on the draw flash that book Uh, again Jim is slow on the draw let's do it let's do it one more time there you go there you go Um, there you go so your level up guide to estate planning no, your level up guide to yep. asset protection, trusts, and estate planning. Avoid probate, stop creditors, protect assets, Medicaid spend down. Ernest B. Fenton, attorney, and he will be our free book giveaway of the hour. So if you call us at 888-988-JOSH and request the 45-minute wealth strategy session, we will give you the book as a thank you. Folks, we're on Spotify YouTube, iHeartRadio, New York's WR710 every Saturday and Sunday at 9. And folks, uh, if you're listening in New York, we get a lot of listeners in New York, Texas, all over the place, mm-hmm. Illinois, and you want uh, his help, I'm sure, you know, he's he'll take new clients as well. So folks, give us a call, 888-988-JOSH for the book, 888-988-JOSH. So what haven't we talked about that you want to share? With our listeners, don't be afraid. You know, I think what's holding most people back is this fear. Um, it's like uh, the unknown, and they don't. They think it's going to be overly cumbersome and and um, um, too too complex. And I'm like, nope, it's not overly cumbersome, and it's not too complex. Like, you know, I make it easy. You know, you don't you don't need to you don't have to provide a list of all of your accounts and account numbers and an inventory of your assets. None of that, you know, to get started. It does not require any of that Um, with me. You reach out to me. We'll send you a basic intake form. We schedule an appointment. We have a 10, 15 minute conversation over the phone. And in most instances after that, just after that alone, I'm able to complete 80 percent of a person's estate planning um, um, trust or other estate planning tools. And um, then we fill in the gap. So don't let fear capsize you. Um, just take a step. Now, that's fantastic. So we talked about Medicaid spend now. We talked about avoiding probates, stopping creditors, protecting assets. You said something like uh, trust travel. What do you mean by that? Or something yeah. like that. So what stops an attorney 
from practicing in one state as opposed to the other or limits an attorney to the state in which they are licensed is because state laws differ. Um, however, as it relates to a trust as well as other legal instruments and documents, some have federal components and state components. So the federal aspect of a trust uh, makes it such that it's not state specific. So certain components are not state specific, but other components are. So given the fact that trusts include a lot of federal law, it allows me as an attorney to practice across states, you know, to a large extent as it relates to trust. So they travel. Just like a court, you know, if I can set up an LLC, you can live in um, you can live in Texas and you may decide that I want a Nevada LLC. Right. So can your attorney in Texas uh, form a Nevada LLC? Yes. OK, I got you. So what's the best tax advice you could give today? Hmm, I'm not a tax attorney, but uh, it was a question. A my, it was a question. My <laughs> it was a question my producer gave me that I was like, mm, maybe I'll ask uh -huh. this. Yeah, I, I'm not a tax attorney or an accountant. However, you know, I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times. If you're if you're employed, like everyone should have a small business. Turn your hobby into a business. Get some write offs, and also. You know, look at the S um, tax status. I'm not an accountant, but if you're an LLC or, you know, become an S corp or an LLC with subchapter S tax status um, so that you could you know, speak to your accountant, you could potentially minimize your tax liability by, you know, receiving income as a distribution as opposed to um, salary. How would you advise... Um it's no secret taxes are one of the biz biggest expenses for people. How would you advise, you know, w as we talked about trusts, how can people retain the capital gains break? So if I own a home and I bought a house for a hundred thousand, now it grew to 500,000 and I gift it to a trust, do I lose capital gains step up? Are there strategies to not lose it? Hey, you know, the game was designed for the wealthy, right? So it's like if you you know if you want to be rich, wealthy, or well off, you know, play the games that the wealthy play. And I'm saying that to say that the game was also designed by the wealthy for the wealthy, right? And um, this is the beauty of trust: you get a lot of the benefits without the downside, right? It's like I can eat the ice cream, and like it's 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 absent of the fat um, in a perfect world, utopia. With a trust. You get the benefits of asset protection, but you retain the benefits of home ownership. So you get all still those capital gains, um, those ex uh, exceptions for home ownership and all that other good stuff and your homeowners exemptions. So clients ask me all the time, hey, attorney Fenton, if I transfer my house into this trust, do I lose my homeowners exemption? No, you keep all the good stuff. Wow. And is this that have to be a certain type of trust, like revocable versus irrevocable? Certainly for the revocable trust, and I'm thinking for the irrevocable trust as well. But I'm going to double triple check on that. But from I'm my thinking tax knowledge, and we're not giving tax advice. It, it's yes. it's that's like um, in the IRS. There's something called a simple trust and a complex trust, and I think one of them 
gets allowed it, the other doesn't. Right. And yeah. some irrevocable trusts are afforded that benefit and some are not. Yeah. I forget what the, the key distinction is, but it's some like uh it, it would be control again, like would your trust, I would imagine, based upon everything that I know, it would be the determination of whether or not that trust um are the assets in that trust actually yours? Are you the owner? So whatever that dividing line is for that tax break. Yeah, and that that's a pretty not a gray area, but yeah, then there's like the disregarded entity and it's a little too mm -hmm. much for a show. So I want to thank you, Ernest, for joining us. Attorney Ernest B. Fenton. And your website is attorneyernestfenton.com. It correct? is. Attorneyernestfenton.com. Go there and go to Amazon. Get the book, Your Level Up Guide to Asset Protection, Trust, and Estate Planning. Avoid probate. Stop creditors. Protect assets. And Medicaid spend down. Give us a call. 888-988-JOSH. I'll give you that book. 888-988-5674. When you schedule and keep your no-obligation review, I want to thank you so much for joining us, Ernest. Hey, thank you for having me. Have a great day. Any awards, rankings, or recognition by unaffiliated third parties or publications, including Five Star Wealth Manager, Advisory of the Year finalist by Senior Market Advisor, and Top of the Million Dollar Roundtable, are in no way indicative of the advisor's future performance or any individual client's investment success. No award, ranking, or recognition should be construed as a current or past endorsement of Josh Jelinski or Wealth Quarterback LLC. Information regarding specific awards, rankings, or recognitions is available on the Wealth Quarterback website at www.jelinski.com. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Investment strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. This broadcast should not be construed by any client or prospective client as a solicitation to affect or attempt to affect transactions and securities or the rendering of personalized investment advice. Due to various factors, including changing market conditions, the information discussed in this broadcast may no longer be reflective of current positions or recommendations. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Josh Jelinski and Wealth Quarterback do not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. The tax and estate planning information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as legal or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Investment advisory services offered through Wealth Quarterback, LLC.